Hello and welcome back to the ICI Digs Deep podcast. I'm your host, Charlie McCullough, and today we'll be discussing the importance of personal branding and effective communication in the construction industry and in general. Today we have a special guest who is an expert in this field and is going to break down various communication aspects and the vital role that they play in building a personal brand. So without further ado, let's dive into that conversation and hear from today's guest, Anthony Huey. Thanks, Charlie. My name is Anthony Huey, and I'm here to answer everyone's burning question, who is this guy, and how is he somehow qualified to talk to me about talking to other people, because that's what I do. I do communicating. Well, let me tell you, I've spent my entire career communicating, first as a news reporter and a news editor, where I basically dug up dirt. I dug up information on contractors like you in order to get a better news story. But I got out of the business of writing news And now I run a company called Reputation Management, and I really do three things in life. First thing that I do is I help organizations like yours communicate in the good times. So I do do a lot of marketing, I do a lot of messaging, I do a lot of public relations. So if you're trying to generate a little story about some construction project you got going on, I help you be a little bit more successful placing that on TV or the local newspaper. Second thing that I do is the exact opposite of that. So when one of your senior managers gets arrested for dealing death out of the trunk of his car, you have an accident on the job site or something bad happens, I help you survive that day of Armageddon. So I do a lot of crisis consulting and a lot of crisis training. Then the third thing that I do, which is about half of what I do and, and why Charlie asked me in here today, is I help people just like yourselves more effectively communicate, whether it's with one person across the desk in a job trailer when you're running an owner's meeting, when you're interviewing for the $150 million bridge project, when you're doing a toolbox talk in the field, I help you stand up, be a more dynamic communicator, and most importantly, connect with the audience or the person you're trying to sell something to. Now, whether you realize it or not, everybody that's listening to this podcast right now, you are salespeople. You may not sell any, be selling an actual product or service, but you're selling concepts, the concept of safety, the concept of quality, the concept of Indiana Department of Transportation, you need to pick us over one of our competitors. So I show you how to to make that connection in a better way. Do you think that construction is one of those industries that people might think effective communication is not super important? And what would you say to someone in construction who might not think that professional communication is as important as it really is? You know, it's interesting that you ask that question is, is a lot of people these days in all industries, but I think especially in the construction industry, they're focused on the what's called hard skills, like the technical skills. And, and that's the most important thing that that you need to possess, whether you're in the C-suite, the owner of a construction company, or you're in the field managing day laborers. But I have to tell you, I have to challenge people on that because they they call what I do soft skills, the, the, communicate, the ability to communicate more effectively. And I read a survey that was done by Harvard Business School that asked its graduates of its MBA program. So these are men and women running giant corporations all over the world. They asked these men and women in their careers, what was the number one skill that they possessed to help them achieve success? of these men and women said the ability to communicate. You you all may remember a few months ago or within the last year, the CEO of Disney got fired. And the reason that that guy got fired was not because of financial incompetence or or management. 
the board said that he did not communicate effectively to them about what was going on in Disney, and that's why he got fired. So communications is, is extremely important. Now, and here's something to think about when it comes to you know the field people, uh, the PMs, project engineers, everybody at the company, that you, you may be the most talented builder in the history of the state of Indiana, but if you cannot stand up and convince an owner of that in 30 minutes, it does not matter. So communication is extremely important. And really, we could talk, Charlie, we could talk for seven hours about all those reasons why it's so vastly important uh, in your industry. So what are some important communication aspects that members of construction industry should be aware of? If we're just going bullet points, things like body language or word choice, what are some take homes? There are two key concepts that really form the foundation of everything that I teach in life. Number one thing all your members have to get into their head is that when they have a conversation with another person, when they present to people, when they run a meeting, when they do a, a Zoom call, a Teams meeting or, or, or whatever it may be, when they leave that meeting, when they walk out of the job trailer, when they hang up the phone, turn off that camera or whatever, studies consistently show that the people that they were talking to will only remember, will only retain 20 to 30 percent of what they say. So everybody listening in here today, if I would call you tomorrow and say, hey, Bob, it's Anthony, if you didn't even remember who I was at that point, and I said, hey, what did we talk about yesterday? Studies consistently show that people really only take away about 20% of what you tell them, but, and here's the magic, they will have a perception of you as a communicator. Right now, Everybody listening to this podcast is forming an impression, a perception of me. You don't know me based on the way my voice sounds, the way I'm articulating, the way I'm putting words together, the way I, I'm pausing or using people's names or whatever it may be. And you have to think about what is that perception that, that you are leaving with other people? Do you all realize that studies show that a human being forms an impression of another human being within the first seven seconds of meeting that person based on what? All those superficial things, how they stay in their posture, their, how their hair looks, how their voice sounds, how they're making eye contact, how they're working in the room. Is that fair that people form an impression after seven seconds? No, I think it's disgusting. I think that's why we have a lot of these societal issues in, our, in today is because there, people are meeting somebody in, in seven seconds, they're making a snap judgment based on them as a person, just on you know these superficial things. So you, you have to, but if, is that the reality? Yes. Now I asked a group here, do companies have brands? Absolutely. So if I say the word Coca-Cola or Bud Light, you all have an impression in your head, a perception in your head about those brands, those companies. Now, let me ask the people on the, the podcast today. Do, do people have brands? Charlie, do people have brands? Absolutely, yeah. they have brands. And, and they have to think about, you know, what is that brand that they are representing to other people? And they have to figure out where they want that brand to be. I had a guy come up after, I do a ton as the people that know me, I do mostly speaking. I'm on the road 150 times a year giving keynote speeches and doing full day sessions. And a guy came up to me about three weeks ago after, in, during a break with a, a, in a re rather uh, aggressive 
and uh, not threatening, but kind of a confrontational type of uh, demeanor. And he said, what do you think? And he shoved his neck into my face and he had a giant neck tattoo and the tattoo kind of went up onto his face. And I said, well, if you want to be the creative director of an advertising agency, if you want to be an artist, if you want to be a musician, I think tattoos are cool. I love tattoos. If you want to be the CEO of Chase Bank, probably not going to happen. Now, I'm not telling you what kind of brand to represent. I, you know, how boring would it be if God made us all the same? But what I'm saying is you all need to think about in five years, 10 years, 15 years, where do I want to be in my life? And what's that brand that I want to represent? And then you're going to use all the tools in my communication toolbox to help shape that brand to fit where you want to be. So I've noticed a lot in construction that people do not have a strong online presence. Their social media, their LinkedIn might be lacking severely compared to their professional status. Do you think that online presence is important in today's world for construction? Well, you know, that's a great question. We just talked about your brand and your brand is represented by a lot about the way you communicate. Now, selfishly speaking, that's mostly what I focus on, your body language, how you're holding yourself, how you're articulating how you're interacting with people in the physical environment. Certainly that's extremely important to me and to you, but also there's many other things that, that form that brand, Charlie. So your online presence is a good example. Let's talk about your LinkedIn profile. I mean, how many times have you met somebody and they have gray hair and they're, you know, they look like they're like 50 something years old and their LinkedIn profile picture looks like they're 23. So you have to think about the way you present yourself on social media really affects what people perceive about you because in, in 2023 and beyond, social media, online presence is really a big part of what people are going to get from you because they're not meeting you in person. And, and this is something that is totally new to our world that it wasn't there 20 years ago. And that's what I'm seeing, Charlie. And, and we're in the middle of a sea change in the industry, I think, is that you have the old guard that's handing over the reins to some of the younger people. And younger people are looking for different things. They have different expectations than I think a lot of people in the old days. And, you know, I really commend your association and the way you put programs together that help foster professional development. And it's not just about we're going to have a golf outing and we're going to have a network meeting and that's all we're going to do over the year but younger people understand that it's about more than just just getting together and, and networking and you have to understand a big part of that moving forward is the way we present ourselves in the virtual world and you know along with that there's a lot of things what about your voicemail have you changed your voicemail greeting in the last 15 years if you haven't i mean you probably sound different you might not like the way you said things in the old days but people they just forget about it and if you think about it, if somebody calls you, really the only perception they have if they don't know you and they place a call to you is the way your voice greeting sounds. So that's just one example. So some homework for people, if you really want to, you know, take some things out of this podcast is look at your, your LinkedIn profile. What does it look like? How does your picture look? Does it look decent? Could you update it? Uh, what is your voicemail recording at home and at the office or on your cell phone sound like? Uh, another thing with that is when you're doing a, a Zoom call or a Teams meeting, your name, a lot of people just have their initials. And if you think about it, the only perception of you or one of the only perceptions of you on a Zoom call, if your camera's not on, is your name. So why not spell your whole name out or have what you like to be called? It's, it, it seems nitpicky, Charlie, and it seems you know petty, 
But it, it's really all these things that build that personal brand for you, what your LinkedIn profile looks like, what your voice message sounds like, how you're rep re representing yourself on, on a virtual call or whatever that may be. Exactly. And to that, I would add that as a recruitment tool in an industry that require that right now is struggling with retention and recruiting, that having a strong online presence can help set you apart from competitors. If I'm a young engineer searching for jobs and I pull up somebody's social media and it's well thought out, they're going out and uh, going to different events, interacting with the community, I might take that person over somebody who I click on their LinkedIn and it is just a blank AVI and nothing to show. So I can definitely see how social media presence and personal branding can help build into retention and recruiting, which is a huge problem in the industry right now. Well, and then I would also, we'll get back, back to that, but I will also say to the people looking for jobs in the industry is be careful what you're putting on social media. I mean, this seems like a no brainer these days, but how many things come back to haunt people? And I'll tell you that you know, recruiters and companies are making decisions a lot of the time solely based on what they see online. And if you don't have a presence, first of all, they had less information that they have compared to one of your competitors. If it's information that you're not proud of, then that's significantly going to, to hurt you. So you have to really think about, you know, what is that perception? And then I would say the same thing to companies. When you're interviewing for a, a, a project, let's say it's a private developer that wants you to work on their parking lot or whatever you guys do. I know you're all mixed bag of kind of road builders and, and, and people. But you have to think about that when they're making that hiring decision on what contractor to pick, they're looking at what you're doing too. And a lot of that has to do with the way you represent your company and social media and, and truly ways that you work with the traditional news media in the good times. You know, this is beyond the scope of today, but all the companies on this call should be trying to generate positive news stories, or at least I call them windows of opportunity where they can promote and take credit for all the good things they're doing in the community, because frankly, all I care about is the Google hit. So if you have a crisis situation, how you are represented on the, your online presence will re really provide some cushion and help mitigate or soften the blow from a crisis. So we've talked a lot about communication for executives and, the, and uh, the company as a whole for branding. What would you say to somebody who's working out in the field and might not be giving presentations every day? Uh, what communication skills would you give to somebody who's out in the field talking to a team of five or six? Yeah, that's a great question. One I would say is don't get hung up on the fact that the word presentation means I'm doing the dog and pony show with a PowerPoint behind you. A presentation is any time you are communicating. If you're in the field with 17 day laborers in a semicircle and you're doing a toolbox talk, that's a presentation. If you're having a conversation with one guy because he wasn't wearing his hard hat and he needs to wear his hard hat, that's a presentation. So don't get caught up on, I I'm not doing the presentations like the CEO and the project executives. No, you are doing presentations and you have to think about what's that perception you're leaving with your crew and, and most importantly what you're doing to make that connection and i get i get passionate about this charlie i don't really do safety but a lot of safety people eat my stuff up and the reason people that are involved in safety like what i do is that most of them they didn't go to college to be the safety director they were in the field or doing something else and the old safety guy retires and the, the, the president of the company says, hey, Bob, you want to be the safety director? Okay, here. And then dumps a bunch of PowerPoints in their lap. And now they're the safety director. And now they're in charge of communicating safety messages to keep people safe. The problem, Charlie, is that they're not skilled communicators. They're typically used to working in the, in the field 300 days a year. And now you take somebody who has to deliver some form of communication 
and they don't know how to control that environment and all of that. When you're talking to people in the field, number one, are they paying attention to you? Are you creating an environment that is conducive for them to pay attention to you? So I'll, I'll tell you, you know, a couple stories here. A few years ago, I spoke in Clearwater Beach, Florida. And I spoke to a group of 300 construction workers, and I'll say the majority of them were men. And that's important to my story. So I, I, I get to the hotel to set up early, and there are 300 chairs set up facing plate glass windows, ceiling to floor, five feet off a of Clearwater Beach, and it's spring break. Now, it took me a minute to figure out why this might be a problem. And then I had a little panic attack and I called the hotel. I said, you got to get up here right away. We got to flip all these chairs to face the other way. Had I not done that, where do you think the people paid attention to me would have went? They would all have been focused on the beach, right? Another story I'll, I'll tell you, very similar. It's about safety. And I do a ton of work for the chemical industry because they're always blowing things up and killing people, right? And when I normally do the training, I do training for managers, plant managers, supervisors, et cetera. Well, this company asked me to do a hour keynote to a group of union folks. So these are people that are mixing the chemical on the factory floor. So they wanted me to talk for an hour about what to do if the media show up in a, in a crisis situation. So I'm in a training room and we've all been in these training rooms and it's set up classroom style and it's about maybe 100 feet long. And guys in work boots and name badges start walking into the room. And where do you think every single one of them sits? The very back tables, right? Half of them put their feet up on the desk and close their eyes. And I yelled, hey, guys, come up. Why don't you come up front? There's plenty of space. You think they did it? No. So I had a decision to make. I could sit there and speak to 70 feet of open space, or I could take my stuff and I could move it back to where they were, which is exactly what I did. Now, they all looked like they wanted to beat me up, which is okay. So afterwards, I pulled the safety manager aside and I said, you need to hit the reset button on the way you're running this training program. I said it in a little nicer way, but because what I saw today showed me that that has been tolerated at this company. Now, my point is, it's one thing not to pay attention to the tall, goofy guy teaching them how not to deal or how to deal with the media in a crisis. It's a whole nother thing entirely not to pay attention to the safety manager teaching them how not to blow up six city blocks of polyethyl methyl death. So as I travel around the country, I do a ton of work for AGC. When I take breaks, I go in and I see the guy doing the OSHA 10 training and his back is turned to the audience. He's reading his PowerPoint and 95% of the class has their phone in their hand. So my point is, if you want to keep your people safe, especially in the field, you need to inject this kind of stuff into your communications, because if they're not paying attention to you, if you don't get away from uh, distractions, if you don't engage with them in the proper way, you're going to have accidents. And let's say I'm a safety professional or a construction executive that's listening to this, and I hear these tips and I think they sound great. I want to be a better communicator to my employees and to everybody around me. What are some take-home things that I at home can do to become a better communicator? Are there practices that I can do? Is there a way for me at home to become a better communicator? Well, the number one thing is you're going to go to this cool website called communicateclearly.com. Communicateclearly.com. Joking. Well, I'm not. That's my website. I got a lot of videos, a lot of tips to help them get better. But really, my response is you got to do something. If you do nothing, nothing happens. And you have to 
take this to the cultural level. I have found that organizations that succeed at becoming better communicators build in the opportunity to practice. There are organizations out there, there are almost every city in the United States called Toastmasters. They're little clubs. It's a friendly environment where you could come in and you could practice. You know, a lot of people don't have the guts to get up there and do that. I get it. So I, I really tell my clients from a corporation standpoint, why don't you create a little Toastmaster chapter at your company? Why don't you create something like that? So once or twice a year, you can get your superintendents, your PMs, your engineers, or the people that aren't used to communicating and give them exercises in order to get better. You know, I drive my wife crazy. I, I get obsessed with these hobbies and I'm just obsessed with them. Like right now it's fishing. I love to fish. I do it everywhere I can. A few years ago when I was living in Ohio, it was golf and I wanted to be a better golfer. So I went back or I went down to the Ohio State University's uh, golf club and I took a golf lesson. Now, if I wanted to be a better golfer, Charlie, what did I have to then go do? Go practice golf. Golf. I can't take one golf class and be Tiger Woods, right? So the same concept here is you need to create a structure where you can communicate oftentimes. And then if you do it the right way, you're going to get better and better and better to, till you need to, to get to where you are. Yeah, that's perfect. I think that's a lot of stuff that our members can take home with them and apply almost immediately to the field that communication is hugely important and that personal branding is bigger than you would think. It affects all facets, including retention, uh, recruiting, and just overall satisfaction of your employees to be a good communicator as a boss. But I think, you know, you know I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. That, that reminds me of something. I, I just got to tell the story. So my daughter right now is a, she just finished her freshman year in college. And growing up with doing what I do, I, I work with a ton of construction companies. I mean, truly every week I'm working with a different CM, GC, subcontractor. And so for years, knowing that there's a labor shortage, I had been putting the bug in my daughter's ear. Hey, you should think about going into the construction industry. And of course, what did she do as a teenage girl? She rolled her eyes at me. Well, last year it came time to get serious. So she started applying to colleges and figuring out what she wants to do for, for the rest of her life. So she comes to me. I was very surprised by this and says, hey, dad, you know, you'd mentioned construction. What is that? What does that mean to go into construction management? And I especially for me as a as a woman, you know, there doesn't seem to be a lot of women on these job sites when I when we drive around town. And I said, well, I'm not really the right person to talk to, but I have a friend who's a VP of pre-con for a GC in Phoenix, Arizona. And her name's uh, Julie. And I said, why don't you give Julie a call? I'll set up a Zoom call and you guys can chat about what it's going to be like. So long story short, they do an hour Zoom call. My daughter comes out of the Zoom call and says, Dad, I'm doing it. I'm going to apply to college and I'm going to be going to construction management. So she applies to some of the most the marquee schools around the United States, Clemson, Auburn, Texas A&M. University of Florida. She gets into all these schools. She gets a scholarship from the University of Florida. So I'm like, awesome. I've done my job, Charlie, for workforce development. All my clients can pat me on the back. So this is last summer. And they, uh, the University of Florida invited us up to Gainesville to listen to the construction management school talk about what's going to happen over the next four years. And more importantly, what life is going to be like in the construction industry. And the way the University of Florida works is that you have a college made up of the School of Architecture, the School of Landscape Architecture, and the School of Construction Management. So we go up to Gainesville. The first people we listen to present or communicate 
are the architects. And they bring us into this lab and they show us all these cool models. And they're like, they take us outside. They say, see that building? See that building? See that building in New York City? We built those and you can work anywhere around the world. So cool. My, we were. Everyone was like, this is awesome. Then we go to the landscape architects. They take us outside. They say, see that pond? See that waterfall? See this quad? You know, Central Park? We did that. You can do that too all over the world. Now it's time to talk to the construction management school. So we go into a classroom. It's about as austere as you can get. It looks like it was from communism days. And we go in there and there's about 70 kids in this room. 30% of them are females, which I was surprised by. And I thought, this is great. There's a lot more girls that are going in the industry. So the construction guy, the construction speaker walks into the room. He's got work boots on. He's got a baseball cap on. He has his Oakley sunglasses on the top of his hat. He's got a dip in. I swear he's got a dip in. I believe it. He he goes up. He goes behind a podium. He literally turns his back on the audience and reads a PowerPoint that he had sent to, that they had sent us two times before for about 45 minutes. Bullet point after bullet point after bullet point. Turns around and says, do you have any questions? Kid put his hand up. He's like, well, you know, you had mentioned, uh, you know, a, a role in the construction industry is, is a project manager. What exactly does a project manager do? And he said, well, you know, you know, manage, manage projects. Another kid put his hand up. Uh, you know, what kind of projects do you work on in construction? And what are some of the things that you guys build? He's like, well, you know, we got, we build tall buildings and short buildings and some people build roads. It was so bad, Charlie. We walked out of the room. My daughter turned to me and said, dad, I can't do it. And she switched to business. And so the point of my story is that when we talk about recruitment and retention of people in an industry that is already facing critical shortages of workers, we need to think differently about the way we are recruiting and retaining non-traditional people into the industry. And I tell, and I do a ton of work for AGC talking about workforce development type stuff, similar to what we're talking about here. And I tell you, every single person from the CEO of the company to the day laborer is an ambassador for this industry. And if you want people to come into the industry that look different than you or people that will help you do your job, you need to think about the messaging that you are creating and delivering to people of a younger generation, especially people like women and minorities that are not traditional to this industry. So I tell that story because it made me sad, one. And because, you know, I, I guess I lost somebody, but also you could do a whole lot more if you really think about the way you're communicating. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's something that I see every day is the growing workforce, workforce development issue. So proper communication for that, I, I think is critical for, for everybody, like you said, from the CEO down to one of your lower ranking guys, the way that you present yourself online and to other people is exactly how you get more people interested in a struggling industry. But I think that this has been super informative, Anthony. I think that everybody listening to this podcast who made it this far is going to get a ton out of it. Uh, is there anything you want to say before we wrap this call up? I just want to say thank you to you, Charlie, uh, to, to Richard there at the association, and to really everyone listening and all my clients in Indiana. You know, this is something that I really want you to go back and, and ponder on and, and maybe hit the reset button 
on the way that you're communicating and think about really how am I making that connection? What am I doing that is not allowing me to make that connection? And what am I doing to really put together the brand that I want to represent? Awesome. Thank you so much, Anthony. Thank you so much to Anthony for taking the time to talk to me and share some of his tips on how to be a better communicator and why that can be so beneficial. Hope you all enjoy this episode of the ICI Digs Deep podcast. I'll catch you on the next one.